Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Well, good morning again. Wasn't that great to see the kids up there and helping out? And it's encouraging, isn't it? Hey, before we get into the the message this morning, I just want to, we're going to one service starting next week, as was mentioned. And I know when we go to one service, it's actually kind of a, we all ready to exhale, aren't we? And we want to give a shout out to everybody who participates on Sunday morning, uh, volunteering in different areas of the ministry here, because uh, they get to get, get a bit of a break now as well. I know worship people are here early, and we've got people through the whole building on a Sunday morning who faithfully serve for both service. So shout out to all everybody. Uh, give them a huge hand for everything they've been doing this past year as we enter the summer. Now, also, before I enter into the message, parts of this message today are from a book called Unstoppable, Running the Race You Were Born to Run by Christine Kane. So I just want to give credit where credit is due as I'm using some parts of that chapter in this message this morning. Now, I don't know about you guys. I'm a huge fan of Summer Olympics. Winter Olympics, Olympics are great because you've got ice hockey, right? Team Canada, go. But one of the great things about Summer Olympics, which I really love, is track and field. It's actually my favorite event, especially the, the 200 meter, the 4 by 100, and the 100 meter dash, right? I can do a 100 meter dash in about four minutes. So, uh, and it's great because you see the excitement, you see as they're working together, and what's cool is when you watch the 4 by 100, they actually have to pass on a baton, don't they? And my daughter, Grace, she just participated in a 4 by 100 race this year in districts, and last year her team got first place, which is really exciting, and they did a great job. And one of the things they were always nervous about, and they practiced a lot, was handing off the baton properly. And with the 4 by 100, you have to pass the baton in the race in a certain area. If you go past that area, you're disqualified. And the key is to grab that baton as it's passed on to you, but if you drop it and fumble it, you're going to be behind, aren't you? You're going to lose some time very quickly, and chances are you may not recover enough to actually win the race. And as we talk about passing of the baton, as you think about that as it relates to our faith, it's something we, not just as parents, but people in general should be thinking through when we think about how are we passing on the baton of faith. As we think about the all-age service today, it's a great question to be asking ourselves. No matter where you are on the age spectrum, we should always be asking ourselves, how do we pass on the baton of faith? It's an important question to be asking. What are we doing in our lives to make it happen? Joshua was a man who was chosen to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And he displayed incredible strength and courage in doing so. He was a mighty man of faith and an inspiring leader. But what's interesting is, when you look at Scripture, here's some interesting things that took place. I'm just going to read out of Judges 2, and the verses are on the screen there. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived them and who had seen all the great things the Lord has done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 100. 110. And after that, the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors and another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he has done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, they forsook the Lord, 
the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. Now, as you think about that and you read that, my heart breaks when you think about this idea is what happened in that one generation where the faith baton was not passed properly. I find it mind-blowing at times because here's a great story of faith, a great story of wonders that are taking place. Lots of victories are taking place. But there's a generation that drops the baton. So what took place? Now, what's interesting is by God's grace, they had defeated the Amalekites. They crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. They saw the walls of Jericho come down. They even saw the sun stand still at one point. And then after all these miracles that were shown to them, the power and the provision of God, this next generation, an entire generation, did not know what the Lord had done for Israel. So what happened? What happened to this legacy? Where was this legacy that was going to be left behind? Were they so busy defeating foreign armies that they forgot to remind their children that it had been the Lord who fought for them? Were they not purposely passing on the faith with stories of what God has been doing in their life? What's amazing about our lives as we talk about Jesus, when our kids can capture the stories that God has done in our life and the victories we have in our life, those are important things to do. Do they share those stories? Or do they keep them to themselves? Do they encourage their children, not just their children, but people even around them, to encounter the living God, to see what he can do in their lives? Now, we don't know what happened, but something went horribly wrong. They obviously were worshiping different gods and things that took in place. Uh, but there was a huge gap there, and it affected a whole generation of people. And that's a big deal. And what's interesting is uh, the new generation, typically, if they don't have a personal relationship with God and no personal awareness of his power, even today in people's lives, they're not going to relate to what their parents have in their faith. That's why it's important to realize that Christianity, faith in Christ, cannot be biologically transmitted. It's not just something that just happens. It's not just something that will assume, well, I grew up in the church, I followed Jesus, I love him with all my heart, my kids will get it. Other people in my life will get it. And that's not always the case. And most of the things we do in our relation with Jesus are caught, not taught necessarily. So we have to ask ourselves the question, how are we doing in our lives as we think about passing of the baton of leadership? Now, as we think about these reasons and, and the faith being passed on from generation to generation, we have a tremendous responsibility, every single one of us, to pass on the baton of faith properly and to do it so folks in our lives, kids in our lives, friends in our lives, can face this world knowing they've got a deep relation with God. And if we do not hand off the baton properly, bad things can happen, can it? Just like when you're running track and field, if you don't pass on the baton, there's a disaster waiting for you. You're not going to finish the race. And when we think about the Christian journey, the Apostle Paul talked about it. This is a marathon. And we have to pass on the baton properly so people around us in our lives can continue to enjoy the legacy of what God has done in their lives, including what he's doing in your life as well. So as you consider that this morning, a few things we need to ask ourselves as well, and we'll get to those questions in a moment. Now, what do we do? How do we do this? How do we make this happen? And what's interesting when you think about that, we have to be intentional for this to happen because our race, when we think about the baton of faith, is to become more like Jesus Christ, isn't it? That's the entire purpose of our faith race. Now, we will fully not become like Jesus until we get to glory. But we have to understand that we are passing the baton, and the baton has been given to us 
If you're a Christ follower here this morning, and there's a huge responsibility that comes with that. And as Jesus works in our life, he will work in the lives around you as well. The race is a process. But you've got to ask yourselves the question, are we running towards Jesus, or are we running our own race? Who are you running towards? And when people see that we're running towards Jesus, not in perfection, but we're on that journey, that can be passed on much easier than if we're not running towards Christ. Now, since we're looking at his work and understanding his priorities, we need to understand as well that the heart of his work, the heart of the work of Jesus, is in and through us. He uses us to be vessels for his kingdom, to move the baton forward for a generation. And as you think about Christ and what he did in his mission, his goal was to point people towards him and eternity and salvation. And it's amazing when you think what Jesus did. Now, he, he also encountered a few people that were skeptical about what he was doing. And you could boil down what Jesus did in a couple of sentences, really, and what he's called us to do. And one time Jesus was hanging out with some people, and somebody asked him the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? That's Matthew 22, 36. And this is what Jesus says. And you know this verse if you've been at church for a long time. If you don't know this verse, let's talk about it this morning. Matthew 22, 37 to 39 says this. Jesus answered, has come to call the greatest commandment. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That was pretty clear what Jesus' mandate is for us. And kids, as you're sitting in the service as well, and youth, etc., it's important to be reminded that our priority is to love God and to love others. Our vision statement here at the church is loving Jesus by loving people. And that's what we're called to do. And as you ask that question in your own heart, if we can get those commandments figured out in our lives in that order, we will be able to pass on the baton of faith much easier because we have our focus in the right place. See, love is the work of Christ both in us and into this world. And that's what he does in each one of our lives. And knowing this, that we can be slow learners, I can be slow learner as well, it's fair to say that God is still with us, and he will give us everything we need in our fiber of our being as we think about soul and your mind and your whole heart as we love him, as we love others as well. Now, we are capable of loving God only because he first loved us. And that's amazing when you think about that. His priority, his work in us, is to continually transform us and our ability to love God and to love our neighbors even to a greater depth from wherever we are today. Now, let's say today you don't love your neighbor so much. It doesn't mean the person beside you here at church, which could be the case as well. It doesn't mean the person in your neighborhood that's just beside you, but in general. Can you take an extra step today to get deepening more in that idea of loving your neighbor and loving God as well? Can you take that extra step to get closer to both of those commandments that we've been given by Jesus? And what's interesting about this is that when you think about running the race, we're in this race for a lifetime, not till we get to eternity. We get to eternity, but we're doing it here on earth still. We don't wait just for eternity. Okay, I've accepted Christ. I'm going to church. I'm good. We are called to be on this journey for life and to pass on the baton. And I think sometimes what happens is as we go into our faith and as folks retire and get older, I know Christ followers that have retired from work and they've actually retired from the faith as well. They decided, I've retired, I'm good to go, I don't need to do anything else for the kingdom. I look at it like this. 
when you retire or when you're comfortable enough in your life where you don't need to work as much, that's when you engage even more so in the kingdom work. And as we think about your journey, and I'm not down on people retiring, what I'm simply saying is we have to engage in the journey for the rest of our lives. And a number should not hold us back from deepening our faith and being part of the Great Commission. And as you think about what Jesus said as well, I'm going to talk about what it means to model these things. He said this in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. See, if we love God with all that, we are. Every single ounce of who we are. And then we want to enjoy being with him here on earth, but also when we get to glory in his presence forever. Would you agree to that? Amen? However, if the deepest and the most encompassing part of our love for God is exactly that, it's this deep, entrenched love in our hearts, it could be just as important to present that love to other people. Because if we believe that so much in our heart, that God is exactly who he says he is, that I wake up every morning to worship him, and I want to live a life that honors him, why are we so afraid at times to give our neighbors the same journey of hope that we have? Because we are called by Jesus to love him and to love others. And it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because our neighbors, our friends and family that do not know Christ, they need him. They may not realize they need him, but they need him. And as you think about the journey you're on, and you think about the greatest commandment and the commissioning that we're called to do by loving God and loving others, where are you at on that journey today? As a generation of young people, where are you on that journey today? How are you loving people in your lives at your schools? The people you work with, how are we all doing that together? It's an interesting question, isn't it? And I think sometimes we, we feel a heaviness to it and a responsibility to it, and you know what? That's good. Because we should feel that burden, not guilt. But there's a sense of going, who in my life do I need to share the gospel with? And there's people you all know that need Jesus. See, there's a critical link here. They're connected. Loving God and sharing that with others. That is connected. You cannot separate those two. They go hand in hand. So if we love the Lord our God with our heart, our soul, our mind, but we don't love our neighbors ourselves, then what's the issue? There's a disconnect there. We can't have one without the other. And that's an important thing to capture this morning. We cannot, we cannot do this on our own. I believe that each one of us, myself included, need to definitely think about the link here and how are we practicing in our lives so people can capture the baton of faith for themselves as well. It's interesting, isn't it, when you think about it like that. Now, I believe that every baton gives us, no matter what it might look like, puts us in a place where we can further his kingdom. Where we can make God the priority in our lives. The work of Christ in us, his work in our own lives and through us, in this world is to fulfill the greatest commandment to love or the great commission to make disciples or both. We're called to do both. Every single one of us. Every baton you carry, every baton I carry, has the potential to push back the kingdom of darkness, doesn't it? And that's an important thing to remember as well. And it doesn't take a lot of work to make it happen. And what I mean by that is sometimes we just need to step out in faith and say, I should talk to someone about Jesus. I should share my story with Jesus. 
it's an interesting thing, but it's something we're all called to do. It's not just on pastors. It's not just on church staff. Every single one of us is called to do that. Now, as you think about passing on the generation of faith to people in your lives, now, if you're a parent, if you're a a young adult, if you're a youth, junior high, senior high, this, what I'm going to share next, will definitely impact you as well because you've got to consider the friends and your family in your life too. So here's a couple things to do as you think about this. We need to make sure that we model what it means to serve the Lord. And what we're called to do is simply do this. We should confess our shortcomings. When we mess up as parents or as friends, we should tell our kids that we did something wrong. Obviously, there's things you don't share with your kids because it depends on their age is at. But it's important to do that because then they see your faith as being active and alive. The other day, I was in my kid's room. I had done something to one of my kids. I didn't treat her very well. My daughter, Grace, I had a terrible attitude towards her that day. I remember going to her room, and I sat down by her bed, and I confessed my sin to her and asked for forgiveness. And she looked at me with just a love, and she goes, Dad, I forgive you. It was beautiful. That's a common practice we have in our home because I make common mistakes because I'm a dad. And I'm not a perfect parent. But we have that kind of dialogue in our family. And it was precious to see my son and daughter just the other day. They had a bit of a, a kerfuffle, as kids do. And instead of me and my wife, Laura, having to coach them to go tell each other to make it work out, they did it on their own. And they apologized. And they asked each other for forgiveness. And they actually dialogued about it. It was unbelievable. And that's what we should be doing as well as parents and as young people. If you have friends in your life, confessing your sins and sharing those things with people as well. We should also be praying for our friends and our family and, and making sure that they see us praying for them too. How often do you pray for your kids or friends in your life or family or friends that know Christ, that they would continue to have a strong faith the rest of their lives? Do you pray blessing over your kids or your grandkids or anyone else to say, and you pray for them and you tell them you're praying for them? And you ask them for specific prayer requests, and you get very real about your prayers. And you tell them that you are praying for them, and you want them to walk with Jesus. You want them to have a confidence in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just generic prayers, but, oh, Lord, keep them safe, help them have a great day at school. Those things are good. But do we get right in there? And do we pray for our kids? Do we pray for people that we know have faith so they can fight the fight, the good fight, for the kingdom of God? It's an important reminder that we pray for our kids and other people in our lives so they can finish well. I talked about confessing your shortcomings. Let them see that you're spending time with Jesus. Now, this is a tricky one because we also want to make sure that we're not bragging about, look at me, look at me, spending time with Jesus in our quiet time. However, I believe this. When it comes to sharing our faith with our kids and family members that are far from God or just are in the generation of hope that they want to have that faith forever. We should be modeling this. When my kids see me read my Bible and journal, you know what happens? It's really cool. They'll actually get up to their desk, grab their Bible, and they'll join me. It's amazing. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not in the Word every single day of my life. I have missed days. I think we all have, if we're being honest about that. But my kids and I have a conversation about that as well. And as you think about that, do your kids or your family members that are in the faith with you, do they know you're hanging out in God's word? I'm not saying post it on Facebook and stand outside in your patio with your feet up, with your Bible open, and tell people I'm going to spend time with Jesus. That drives me nuts. But anyways, what I'm saying is you model it in a humble way where people can capture what you're doing and see what you're doing. 
because it's important to do that. And then Jesus gets glorified, and it gives people a head start in their faith, doesn't it? Because I've often heard people say that grew up in a Christ-focused family, that they would often say they watched their parents pray. They would see their parents journal. They would see their parents fast. They would see their parents pray. It's amazing. And that's often I've heard that from people, and they capture that. They see that, and they capture that enough that they want that to be a part of their life. As you think about that, where you're at today, how are you modeling that with your kids or other people in your family that know Jesus? Are you doing it together? It's an important question, isn't it? And that's how we can pass on the baton. It's important to do that as well. I talked about praying for them as well and this baton of faith. And as, as I recognize and as you recognize as well, this is not an easy thing to do, is it? It is a challenge, especially in the world that we live in. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's one of those things where you go, wow, how do we make this happen? I'm a first-generation Christ follower. I don't have all the answers. It's been hard because I don't have parents and my kids don't have grandparents that they can call and say, will you pray for me? Can I tell you what God's doing in my life? So my wife and I are, are it right now. And we've got a village of people that come alongside our kids as well and our family, which helps us in this journey because it's not easy. And if you are a parent or somebody that's got faith figured out today and you've been able to pass on the baton, well, come see me and talk to me because I'd love to know what it's like. And I think if we're honest about that, we're all there. We don't all have the answers. And you know what? It's okay. It's really okay because the scriptures are there. The Holy Spirit is there. And as you talk about God in your home, as you sit around the dinner tables, as you sit around the cafes at your work or the office space of your work, or there's other Christ followers there too that might be younger than you, and you talk about God in your home and at your work, people are going to see that. They're going to hear that. And that's going to be caught from people that want to finish strong in the faith. Now, I understand that as we think about walking together for the kingdom, and we think about the baton, you know, this, this is symbolic because Jesus passed on the baton to us, didn't he? He did that by giving us a great commission. And he's asking every single one of us, what are you doing with this? What are you doing with this? Because passing on the baton of faith will be by far, by far, the greatest investment you will ever make in yourself and the other people in your life. It ain't going to matter at the end of the day if you're on your deathbed or whatever it looks like for you and for myself. It ain't going to matter how big your house is, how much money you have in the bank account. What's going to come to mind is this. Did I spend enough time passing the baton of faith to my kids so they can have a strong faith with Jesus and be eternity with him? I remember having a conversation with a family at a previous church, and their kids were in hockey. And if you're a hockey parent, you know what that's like. And I wasn't down on them being in hockey. I think it's really good. But what happened was they were in hockey four days out of the week. And every Sunday, they were in hockey. Every single Sunday. And they had three boys that were grown up, and they were good hockey players. And I remember having a conversation with the parents one day. And I said, you know, I think it's fantastic that you're spending all this money and time on your kids. But what are you doing for their faith? What are you honestly doing for their faith to make sure that they are Christ followers the rest of their lives? It was a difficult conversation. 
And what was sad was they decided to keep choosing hockey because they were looking at the here and now. They didn't have the big picture in mind because one day what's going to potentially happen to this family, because I know it actually has happened, is that those kids are going to grow up without an understanding of Jesus, who Jesus is, a lack of community, a lack of commitment. And good for these parents sending them to hockey. I'm not down on that. But what I'm saying is, where do our priorities come? Now these kids are over 18 years old now. They're not going to church anymore. They don't have a strong faith. And the parents now look back and go, we blew it. We blew it. And that's hard. I want my kids, I want your kids, and people in their lives to be with Jesus forever. But I also want them to be strong Christ followers here on earth so they can be partners in the Great Commission. That's amazing to me that we can partner with Jesus Christ. And he's saying to us, we get to be a part of adding people to the kingdom. Not because of anything we've done, because of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I hope that excites you. I also hope you're convicted a little this morning, I am, of what am I doing in my family's life to make sure that they are going to finish strong in their faith, that they're going to pass on the baton as brothers and sisters, my son and my daughter. And what are we doing as parents to make sure they ensure to see it? Now, I don't know what they'll do at the end of the day. That choice is up to them. But I am going to do everything in my power through the power of the Holy Spirit to create a foundation for them and other people in my life that are Christ followers to finish well, to be people that will pass on the baton of faith. And if you're a young person here this morning, are you investing in your faith as well? Are you diving in? Because your faith cannot be your parents' faith. You have to own your own faith. And that's how it works. Many years ago, when I came to faith, a friend of mine challenged me. He said, Mesh, take your Bible and write down names of people in the back of that Bible that are strong Christ followers. I did. So I wrote down like 20 names. And he asked me this. He says, every few years, go back. If you're still in a relationship with these people, go back. Look at those names and ask yourself where they are. And what was sad, every year, I would have to mark somebody off because they gave up. They were done. And decided not to pass on the baton of faith. So as we're in this together, as we think about the kingdom, it's a big kingdom, isn't it? And God is good. Let's do what we can to make sure that there's a generation that does not go without knowing Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, who you are in our lives, and thank you for uh, the work you're doing in the seen and the unseen. And Lord, as we think about passing on the baton of faith, I pray, Lord, that each one of us would fully buy into the Great Commission. Lord, that we would love you, and we'd want to give that love away to other people. I pray for the young people here this morning that they would be able to capture what their parents are doing in the faith, and that it would be something that they spend time in and they would invest in. And Lord, for parents today that are just hearing this and being like, what do I do? I feel so helpless in this. Lord, remind them they're not alone. This is not easy. And Lord, help us to have such a joy for you, uh, a conviction of who you are in our lives, that it's just, it's contagious to other people, that we want to give it away. We don't want to hold on to it. So Lord, thank you again for your love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.